Father God, we bow in your presence and we ask you now to send your Holy Spirit to do the work that none of us can accomplish without you. So open your word to us, Lord. Speak uh, things to us that you desire us to hear so that our hearts would be shaped into the image of your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I've, I've been battling uh, what is called the crud. I think that's a scientific term. Um, so my energy level and my uh, brain uh, functioning are at an all-time low. But um, I believe that St. Paul says that his power is made perfect in weakness, that God's still going to do something powerful today through this word that I have for you. And I think he's going to touch people and move people uh, because it's a great opportunity for me to be reminded that uh, it's not me and for you to be reminded it's not me, it's him who, who transforms lives through his word. So uh, I'm excited. Um, I was listening to a radio program on NPR the other day about censorship. And they were, the um, interviewee was saying how uh, Amazon, Google, and Facebook, they basically govern the whole internet. And, and almost everything we do online is, is really governed, run by Amazon, Google, or Facebook. And he was saying that how they have so much power, they can censor anything that they want. You know, so if you've got a book that you wrote and Amazon doesn't like uh, whatever's in it, they will find a way to just uh, ignore your <laughs> request and not have to give you any explanation because there's not a whole lot of laws right now that keeps them from censoring uh, things because they have so much, uh, so much power. And I was uh, reminded that uh, Satan, the devil, our enemy, also has a censorship program <laughs> that he's running very successfully, and it's to keep the truth of Jesus Christ out of the world. And um, one of the most successful, his most successful tactics is that he strategically uh, ke- keeps uh, Christians quiet about their faith. It's, it's, and he's doing a, unfortunately, a really good job and he's very successful about it. He, he does it through fear, right? He does it, uh, through insecurity about who we really are to God, getting us to, uh, question or not see our identity in Christ and the power and authority that we have in the spiritual, uh, realm. He does it through distraction, right? And I mean, who would deny that we live in one of the most distracted ages, uh, in all of history? You see, um, think about this. Have you ever noticed how you can talk really passionately uh, to, to uh, one of your unbelieving friends about like the last episode of Stranger Things or uh, the, the, the newest roller coaster at Universal. You can could, you could talk really passionate about it without feeling uncomfortable at all. But then the second you start feeling like you might share Jesus with this person, uh, you clam up, <laughs> you get sweaty, your heart starts racing. Uh, and you get pummeled with thoughts about how stupid you'll look and how much they just won't want to be around you because it'll be awkward. <laughs> you think that's just uh, uh, something only happening in the natural world? No, there's a super concerted supernatural effort to keep us quiet about our faith, and the enemy likes to intimidate us uh, so that we won't share uh, the truth of Jesus with an unbelieving world. It happens to me all the time. Happens to me all the time. I can easily talk just about anything, and then as soon as I want to talk to about Jesus to someone, you know, I get all the thoughts. Oh, you don't you don't have a good word for this person right now. You're just going to look stupid. Just just show them Jesus by loving them. Don't say anything. You know, all of those thoughts that that keep me and I, I I'm I too constantly am in that battle. But here's the good news. There's a way to minister the gospel in power apart from our own strength and ability. And it's to, to minister by being filled with His Spirit. And it's the only way to minister in power and boldness. It's by 
being yielded to and filled with his spirit so that he can work through us. Uh, Billy Graham, any Billy Graham uh, fans in here? He, uh, was anybody saved in a Billy Graham crusade? That'd be cool. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Um, Billy Graham said this in his book on the Holy Spirit. He said, I am convinced that to be filled with the Spirit is not an option, but a necessity. It is indispensable for the abundant life and for fruitful service. The Spirit-filled life is not abnormal. It is the normal Christian life. Anything less is subnormal. It is less than what God wants and provides for His children. Therefore, to be filled with the Spirit should never be thought of as an unusual or unique experience for or known by only a select few. It is intended for all, needed by all, and available to all. That is why the Scripture commands all of us, be filled with the Spirit. I I believe some of you are going to become much bolder evangelists and uh, teachers and proclaimers of of the Word after this message today because I just believe the Holy Spirit is really going to come and and stir in in our hearts in power today. Um, Let's look at Matthew chapter 3. This is uh, our primary gospel text today. Have you ever wondered why did Jesus have to get baptized? (laughs) Right? Kind of weird. Well, let's talk about it. And then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. So so Jesus, there was something something that moved him to intentionally go and be baptized by John, in itself a great act of humility. Now, John would have prevented him, rightfully so, right? Because this is like, you know, this is like Michael Buble coming to me and asking me for voice lessons, right? John, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Um, to fulfill all righteousness is kind of in the Greek, it means like this, it's, it's to do what God expects of us. It's to do what God expects of us. So it's part of God's plan for this to happen. So why does he get baptized? Um, number one, to identify with us in our humanity. Um, he, he identifies with all of humanity by taking on, God does, by taking on human flesh in Jesus, but he identifies uh, with us in our condition by taking baptism onto himself. Now, Jesus was sinless. He didn't need baptism for the forgiveness of sins. So he does it as an act of identification with humanity. Um, the church fathers, uh, they, they, they talked about how Jesus' baptism um, in, in water, Jesus' baptism in water sanctified all baptismal waters for all of time for all those who would be baptized. I love that. That's so beautiful. Because Jesus was baptized in water, now all water for all of time that gets used for baptism has been sanctified because the, the presence and body of Christ has been, been in it. It's so good. Um, now it moves on and it says, when Jesus had been baptized just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Second reason Jesus gets baptized is because Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that might sound weird to you because you think Jesus and the Father and the Spirit, they're all one, aren't they? But remember Jesus, he set aside his his divine attributes. He was divine, 
But he set aside his divine attributes so he could walk as a full human being and to, to model for us what it looks like to be the humans that God intended us to be. And so, therefore, he needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, did Jesus have the Holy Spirit? Well, yes, it was, it's clear from uh, Scripture, from Matthew's Gospel, that uh, the Spirit was active in Jesus' life at some level. It was active in his birth. But Jesus humbles himself and is baptized in water, and then he comes out of the water. He's, the Spirit descends on him, just like it you know, descends or it falls upon the disciples at Pentecost. The Spirit descends on him. And so Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit to, to be empowered for ministry. He... He, this is the point in the, the gospel. This is the beginning of Matthew's gospel. This is just chapter 3 that we're in. Um, before Jesus starts his public ministry. Right? This, he hasn't done any public ministry yet. So the first thing he does is submits himself to the waters of baptism and to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus needed to be empowered by the Spirit for ministry. Now, don't you think if Jesus needed to be empowered by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit for ministry, we do too? <laughs> Amen? Now, Jesus, he carries out his ministry as a human being who's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He carries out his ministry as a human being filled with the Spirit Spirit of God. So he models for the rest of us what a Spirit-filled life looks like. And so everything you see him do from this point on, whether he's casting out demons or he's laying his hands on the sick and they're getting healed or he's uh, proclaiming the gospel with boldness, he's, he's feeding those who are hungry, he's doing it because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Right? And so he shows us what it looks like to live in the way that God intended us to live as his children. Now, here's my question. I've been wrestling with this for, for months and months now. Why don't we see uh, people getting real, like filled with the Holy Spirit today, just absolutely filled? Why don't we see it t- 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 today as much as in former times? And I have different theories about it. I've been reading some books about the historical uh, beliefs in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But um, it's true that over history, at some point in history, Christianity become, became more and more institutionalized. And, and baptism, like a lot of other things, became kind of a formal ritual that was just done. It was just part of the, you know, one of the hoops you jump through to be a part of the church and to get into the church. And so it did become uh, formalized. And um, there was little, it got to the point where there was just little expectation of, for the Spirit to come in power at baptism. Now, it wasn't always like this. It wasn't always like this. And there are many church traditions that, that still follow this today. But I want to read you something from um, Tertullian. He was a, a Christian in the uh, second century. So just in the, the generation following after some of Jesus' disciples. Um, but he, says, he said this. And I'm going to read it and then I'm going to explain, explain what he means by it. He says, Therefore, you blessed ones, for whom the grace of God is waiting When you come up from the most sacred bath of the new birth, when you spread out your hands for the first time in your mother's house with your brethren, ask your father, ask your Lord for the special gift of his inheritance, the distributed charisms which form an additional underlying feature of baptism. So here's what he's saying. He's talking to uh, new believers who are getting ready to uh, go through the process of baptism. They've been learning about the Christian faith. And he says, first of all, he says, the grace of God is waiting, right? God is waiting. He's, he's, he, God's ready to, you should have an expectation when you go into baptism and to be filled with the Spirit that God is waiting to pour stuff out on you. He's waiting to pour himself out on you. And then he says, when you come up from the most sacred bath of the new birth, of course, he's talking about water baptism the sacred bath of the new birth. When you spread out your hands for the first time in your mother's house, right? The church fathers always talk about the church as our mother, right? You can't have, uh, Augustine said, you can't have God as your father if you don't have the church as your mother. Um, in, so in your mother's house with your brethren, 
For the first time, you spread out your hands, he says. So here's what they, they, they did. This was the practice, is at least for the first few centuries, is that um, you would go into the bat- baptistry. That was a, a part of the church where the, the baptismal font was. It was usually uh, built into the ground, like ours is out in the fountain at the memorial garden. And um, the, 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 the neophytes, they called them the new believers, would be baptized in water. And then they'd come out and then they'd go into the uh, main part of the church when they were, they were getting ready and preparing to receive Eucharist. And they would spread out their hands. I mean, this was a, I mean, you know, you see some people lifting their hands in worship. This is an ancient practice. It's a posture of praise to God um, with palms up expectantly and you're praising the Lord. And they would go out and they'd get in this posture of prayer with their hands up like this with their brothers and sisters gathered around and they'd ask God to release his, his, he says his, their, his charisms. Now, what is charisms? It's a Greek word that is, describes the spiritual gifts in the Bible. So in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives us this list of spiritual gifts. He said, uh, some have gifts of healing and some have gifts of faith and some have gifts of miracles and some have gifts of speaking in tongues and some interpretation of tongues and some have prophecy and all of, the, all of these things. And so the, the new baptized believers would come in and they, they saw this as part of the package is that they would, after water baptism, they would then open their hands and a lot of traditions, the bishop would come and anoint them with oil and lay hands on them and pray for them while they were asking the Lord to fill them with his Holy Spirit and to activate the gifts of the Spirit in their lives. You see, I think this is why so much of the church today doesn't operate in as much power as it could be is because this got kind of got moved out of the picture, this, this part of the process of being able to have the opportunity to call out to God, Lord, I know you're expectantly waiting to pour your gifts out on me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, right? So it, it's not a matter of, you know, if you've been baptized, if um, you have the Holy Spirit, it's a matter of does the Holy Spirit really have full possession of you, okay? And there is, there is, uh, there is a difference. Um, but you see, there's an inheritance. There's an inheritance of spiritual gifts to empower us for ministry that many Christians haven't accessed because at some point in history you got sprinkled or dunked and then you just didn't expect anything else to happen. But Jesus, when he gets baptized in water, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove, right? He's not a dove. He's in the form of a dove. It's an external uh, manifestation. Now, this is something to note about that is in Scripture, anytime the Spirit falls on people in the New Testament, there's always some kind of external sign. And for Jesus, it was just the Spirit came in the form of a dove and, and alighted on him, dwelt on him, rested on him. And uh, throughout the book of Acts, it's generally um, people begin to speak in new tongues or they begin to prophesy or they begin to praise God with great joy. Okay, So there's always, um, in Scripture, there's always an external manifestation of the Holy Spirit when he really comes to fall on people and to, to fill them with his, his power in his life. So Jesus goes from this place filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled and empowered for ministry. Now, look at um, the end of uh, this passage in Matthew, the last verse. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Now, how much public ministry has Jesus done at this point? None. None. He's just kind of coming out into the public. And yet, before he's done all of the good works that he will do and walked in power and, and done everything in obedience to God. Before that, the father says, I'm well pleased. This is my, my loved, my beloved son. 
That's grace. It's a picture of grace. You see, when you're baptized and you give your life to Christ, you have to know that your sins are forgiven. They're wiped, they're wiped out and God looks at you and me and he says, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Before you can do anything to please him, he looks at you and says, I'm well pleased. That's an amazing picture of grace. And I think um, so many of us miss out on the gifts of God that he wants to give us because we think um, that, that we have to earn them or that we're not worthy when he's actually made us worthy because of what his son has done on our behalf. Beautiful picture of grace. See, it's, it's so important to know without a shadow of a doubt that God actually has forgiven your sins and, and thrown them into the depths of the sea it's so important to know that so that you can feel fully free and fully released into the power of ministry to spread his kingdom, right? So many of us think, I'm not, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not mature enough. But God has made you worthy in his son. That's his, how his grace, his grace works. And what this does is it allows us to launch into ministry knowing that we're already accepted and loved despite all the failures and shortcomings that will, will inevitably mark much of our lives. We're already accepted in love despite all of the failures and shortcomings that will mark much of our lives. And they will. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, you know that. You know that. And God has already said, I love you and I accept you. Um, Dr. Denise uh, Meisberg, who's a missionary to uh, Jewish communities, and she's Jewish Christian, she says, uh, you can't use his power unless you know his heart. You can't use his power unless you know his heart. You can't use his power unless you know his desire to give it to you. You can't use his power unless you know his heart of grace towards you, his heart of love towards you that he wants to make you his own and actually use you in, in powerful ways. You see, grace is um, the gift of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just like anything else, just like salvation. It's a gift of grace, right? It's not something we, we do to, to earn it. It's a gift of God's grace. Now, I want to turn over to Acts chapter 10 and just make a few, few comments about that. There's a link here, clearly, that the, the folks who put the lectionary together put these readings together for, for a reason. Now, um, we're in Epiphany, right? The season of Epiphany is why we're wearing the green. We've got the green. It's the season for Epiphany. Um, it's about what? The revelation of Christ to the Gentiles, right? Um, and so it's a revelation of Christ to the rest of the world outside of the Jewish community, outside of the Israelites. And so this is why we get this passage today from uh, Acts chapter 10. And I want to say something about the rest of the passage that they, they don't give to us. But so this is uh, after Peter has received a supernatural vision from the Lord. He's praying and he sees a sheet come down. Remember this weird thing in the Bible? And the sheet comes down and it's got all these uh, animals that are considered unclean that Jews couldn't eat. And uh, he hears a voice say, arise, Peter, go kill and eat. And he says, no, 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 never would I ever, nothing impure has touched these lips. And then three times God has to tell him, you know, it's always threes with Peter. <laughs> it's always threes times. He says, you deny me three times. Jesus asks him, uh, do you love me three times? And now he has to tell him three times, go kill and eat. But what he meant was not to go and he wasn't telling him to go eat food. He was telling him it's time you're going to get used now to go minister to the Gentiles to who you consider impure. And God had said to Peter, he said, do not call impure what I have made clean. So God is opening the door of uh, adoption into his family to, to the Gentiles now. 
whereas it was just Israel before. And so Peter gets, um, uh, there's all this supernatural activity and Peter gets a message uh, from some men from Cornelius' home, who's a Gentile who loved God. He was called a God-fearer who gave alms and praised God always, even though he wasn't a part of the, the Jewish community of the family of God. But um, God honored his devotion. And so he sends some people to uh, hunt down this Peter fellow and they say, you've got to come and, and just give us a message. We've, 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 we, an angel visited Cornelius and told him to go get Peter from Joppa and bring him to Cornelius' house. And so Peter says, okay. And so he goes and he, Peter realizes it's time to preach to the Gentiles. So that's, that's the context of what's happening here in uh, chapter 10. So Peter begins to speak to, speak to them. And he says, um, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Say power. Whew, I'm waking up. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. See, that was one of the things that marked Jesus' ministry was the power of the Holy Spirit working through him to heal the sick. But it was because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. So you see, this is part of my argument earlier is that Jesus was walking fully human. He needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And that is what gave, empowered him for ministry. So Jesus was empowered. Jesus was empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now, it, go, it goes the same for us. Again. Now, the Gentiles, when they hear this message, they must be thinking, oh, I want that. Because these are people who are searching for God. I want that God's Spirit. I want to have that power. Now, what happens is just that, because it, we, we don't get this in the reading. It cuts off at 40, verse 43, but this is what happens um, in verse starting in verse 44. So Peter's just preaching. And uh, this is the greatest uh, example of how um, God works outside of preachers, and it's not through the preacher's rhetoric that people get touched. So Peter's still preaching, and then all of a sudden, it says, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. So it was like the Holy Spirit, sometimes what he does during the preaching of the word is he comes in the room and he goes, and everybody stops and gives their attention to him, right? And so this is what happens. It's beautiful. Peter's still speaking and the Holy Spirit fell upon, right? Just like he descended upon Jesus. The scriptures use this language all the time of the Holy Spirit. He fell upon or he was poured out upon Right. It's a it's an imagery of something coming from on high down to us, not us moving our way up to get him to come down. Now, here's what happens. And this is the thing that I was talking about. External manifestations. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded. That is Jews. They were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Now, how did they know that the spirit had been poured out? How do you know that somebody's filled with the Holy Spirit? There's always an external uh, testimony to that. It says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Right? 
They were speaking in tongues and praising God, probably lifting their hands and shouting out with, with joy to, to God. And then, and then Peter says, can anyone withhold water for baptism for these, right? So um, God never works in a box. You know, in the history of Christian theology, there's been something called the order salutis, ordo salutis in Latin. It means the order of salvation, though that is uh, grace comes and empowers us to have faith and we put our faith in Christ. Then we get baptized in water and the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. Well, this is funny because these are pagan Gentiles and Peter's preaching the word to them and they first they get filled with the Holy Spirit before they're even baptized or before they've even made a formal confession of faith in Jesus. It's because God works how he wants to work to bring people into his family and fill them with his spirit. But there's external, there's an external witness to the fact that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's, in this case, they're speaking in tongues and uh, in praising God. You see that um, I, my, one of my passions is to demystify uh, the gift of speaking in tongues because um, so many people just think of it as a weird thing but it's actually a gift of God. Paul talks about it being the language of tongues of angels. It's a heavenly language that God gives people often when they're baptized in the spirit to be able to speak to God in a, in a, in a, with your spirit and not your mind so that you can actually have a prayer language where God's spirit is praying in and through you to God, um, not using your own words, but using his. It's a really, it's just a beautiful thing. And then sometimes the gift of tongues is also an actual enabling of speaking in other real languages so that people can hear the gospel. That's what happened at Pentecost, right? They began to speak in the languages of the many different people that were there um, because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. But that's just a little rabbit trail I thought was worth uh, going down. Speaking in tongues, I don't think should be... You've seen abuses of it, so... If you, you know, many of us have seen abuses of it and that turns us off, but it's very scriptural and, and biblical uh, gift of, of the Lord. So just kind of based on, I want to talk a little bit about the manifestations of being filled with the Spirit, and this is based on what Scripture says and also uh, just down the centuries of Christian history, what people experience when they're uh, baptized in or filled with, whatever you want to call it, uh, with the Holy Spirit. Um, many... Many say that they feel heat or like a, almost what they describe as like a liquid warmth flowing through their body when uh, the the Holy Spirit comes on them. Charles Finney said it uh, felt like waves and waves of liquid love. <laughs> he had to tell God, remove thy hand from me lest I die because it was going on for so many hours. It was just getting hit with God's love. It was too powerful. Or some people describe uh, electricity in the body. That was a sensation I had when I had a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, joyful weeping. That was another one I experienced that too, just overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence and love that it just leads you to a tears. And uh, sometimes people cry for hours and for weeks. Sometimes uh, just Blaine Cook was a uh, minister and he uh, got filled with the Spirit. And for three weeks, the Lord just kept, he kept breaking down in tears all the time throughout the day because the sense of God's presence on him is just awesome. Um, or, or what is almost universally attested to when people get baptized in the spirit is a, a profound sense of God's love washing over you. Um, like you just didn't have access to being able to be aware of it before. And it's like, God makes you aware of it. And it's so overwhelming. You're like, you love me. <laughs> and, and heartfelt worship is another one is that it just leads you to just praise God. You just no no fear, right? You just feel free to lift your hands and just praise him. Right? So all of these things are, are, are gifts of, of the spirit gifts of being filled with the spirit. 
Now, I just want to say, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting to land the plane here. I know this probably wasn't the most coherent sermon. It's because I've had a, one of those weeks where I just didn't have a lot of time to spend on it. But um, here's just a few things on how to prepare for baptism in the, in the Spirit. And, I, and I, this isn't a, you know, I just want to say this isn't a message to try to create haves and have-nots and try to create, you know, teams of people. But I believe the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for everyone. It's for every Christian, and I think it, I think it was always. And um, it's just no no fault. It's not not any anybody who hasn't experienced it. It's, it's probably not entirely your fault because it's just maybe the way you've been taught or the way the churches have taught us to that you know just you get the water sprinkled and that's it and put your faith in Jesus and those things are important. But so I don't I don't want to make this about haves and haves nots. But I do want to encourage people to seek the baptism in the Spirit. And here's just a few points on how to prepare to receive the baptism in the Spirit. And one is actually just, and I don't mean to sound condescending or anything, but be absolutely certain that you've received the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Um, it, it, that is absolutely crucial, acknowledging that He's the only way to God, that the, he, it's, He's the only way by which our sins are forgiven and we're made children of God. Um, you know, some, some people who sit in pews all their lives, they just kind of see Jesus as sort of... He's sort of an add-on. He's kind of a nice guy to follow. And, you know, if you trust in him, he'll take you to heaven when you die and something like that. But actually really haven't turned their hearts over to him and given him their hearts as Savior and given uh, their hearts to him as Savior and Lord. So just just being sure that that's when there's no uh, shame in realizing maybe I need to do that. Maybe I actually need to really call on his name for salvation and be sure that I really know him. Um, that's, that's absolutely fundamental because he can't pour out his spirit on, on somebody who hasn't received him yet as Savior. Um, number two is this is, um, and again, it's not by works that we earn the Holy Spirit, but it's important to ask God to reveal any areas of your life that are hindrances to him giving you more of himself, right? Um, and then commit to letting, letting those things go. So just to share with you my personal testimony in March, on uh, March 3rd of 2019, I received baptism in the Holy Spirit on October 1st, of uh, 2018 was when the Lord called me to give up alcohol. I realized I struggled with alcoholism, and um, it runs in my family and everything. Anyway, there's just a experience. It was a straw that broke the camel's back, and I realized that you know I wasn't you know pounding a fifth a day or anything, but I had an inordinate love for for beer, and uh, the Lord was dealing with me for a long time, convicting me of it. That you know, and I was oh Lord, I only have you know a few. Here and there, but yeah, was a few of these really strong double IPAs and all this stuff out there, and you know. But I needed it. It was, it was. I loved getting buzzed, and the Lord was dealing with me for a long time, probably really ever since I became a Christian ten years ago. And I just kind of kept putting it off, and I just kept drinking. But then I gave it up by His power. And then there's just other things in my life, just as you call habitual sins, the sins that keep pestering you and nagging at you. And there are other things, the Lord just, just began to seek Him to give me freedom from those things and began to let go of them. And it was, it was in those months that all that was happening that led up to my own experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit. So the Lord, He, he needs a holy and pure dwelling place for His Spirit to be poured into, right? Where His temples and he needs those temples cleaned out and purified to be able to fill them. And uh, so much of the church today is so beset by sin um, that it has no room for God to come in and fill and bring the joy of the Lord and the abundant life of the abundant life, spirit-filled life. But God, God, it's only by God's grace that you can uh, do those things. 
And God, friends, he's, God is looking all over the earth for people who are just desperate to be used by him. This is another precursor to baptism in the Holy Spirit. You just got to get desperate to be used by him and say, God, I can't minister in my own power. I'm too scared. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. I don't know how to pray for people to get well. I can't do it in my own power, but I de- I'm desperately want to be used by you to reach, reach the world for Jesus Christ. And he'll honor that. But um, and he'll honor you coming to him and saying, Lord, there's this there's this stuff, this junk in my life and I need you to rid me of it. And he'll honor you and he'll help you. He's so gracious. And then that leads to the third one, which is that you have to be absolutely assured um, in your heart that God loves you and he desires to fill you with his spirit. Um, So everybody just say, God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. See, he as a father and he loves us and he wants to fill us with more of himself and we have to be absolutely assured of it because if we have an image of him as distant and far away and kind of like grumpy you know some of us have um, projected our earthly dads onto our heavenly dad and that's not ever a good idea even if your earthly dad was okay (laughs) it's not good to project him onto the heavenly father because the heavenly father is uh, he's good and he's perfect in all of his ways and he, ha- he always has a, a benevolent will towards us. So you have to be sure of that. You see, friends, all of this can be ours. All of this can be ours. It's God's will. It's, but we have to know the, the, the heart of the Father um, and how he wants to give it to us. So I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. I want to read something to you. I just want you to close your eyes for the sake of meditation and really be able to hear this. These are the, the words of Jesus. I want you to hear him. Um, speaking to you today. Just receive this in your spirit. It's from Luke 11. This is Jesus speaking. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, friends, I believe uh, in our day God is... Shaking up his church. He's going to bring it alive again. He's going to breathe new life into, into, into dry bones. And it, it's, he's going to start reaching the lost like never before. He's gonna, and he's going to use his church to do it. And I believe that the church is going to see a revival in this age like it never has before. I think even the church in the West, it's already begun. And I think it's going to be across all denominations it's not going to be, well, we're Catholic and we do this and we're Episcopalian and we do it like this and we're Baptist so we do it like this. It's going to be a bringing together of all the churches across denominations to be filled and empowered with His Spirit uh, for revival, um, take, taking God seriously again, uh, um, just trembling at His holiness and uh, having a, a proper sense of the fear of the Lord on us that we love Him and revere Him with all that is within us and seek to be filled with His Spirit so that we're enabled to minister to the nations. I believe God's already shaken some, stirring some things up at our church here and it's amazing to see it, just the uh, glory that we can give to Him through the healings that we've seen and that we'll continue uh, to pursue.